Hello, my name is Leanne Lynch. I live my life using the tools in my work as a psychotherapist and the messages from my soul. Welcome to My Soul Called Life. Hello and welcome to my podcast. This is Leanne Lynch here with you and my so-called life. So today what I really wanted to speak about is intergenerational trauma and how trauma from our ancestors has passed on to us, the ways in which it has passed on and the why. So for me and my journey, and you know, you may have different experience to me and it doesn't mean that yours is invalid or mine is invalid. You know, sometimes this is just information that may resonate with you or maybe helpful for you and maybe it's not and that's okay too. So what I have found is um, the intergenerational trauma has passed on through epigenetics, through our DNA and through ourselves and through our bloodline. And it is also passed on through um, our parenting and how our parents respond to us uh, when we were children and how our grandparents would have responded to our parents when they were children too. So we internalize that. Uh, we internalize that relationship within us. And any amount of healing that we do now, what we're doing is we're actually healing the generations before us, which makes the feelings really incredibly intense. They're magnified because they're not just ours, they're also our ancestors. We are the ones that are stopping it and holding that emotion, holding that healing and changing passions and how we respond to our own children. And this is how... Um, this is how we, we heal and how we change the direction of our family and how our children will have a different experience um, than us. And it doesn't mean that we're going to get a perfect or right or completely dissolve whatever it is that we're healing. Well, it, but it does lighten their load a little bit and start the journey and change that passion. Like whatever, no matter how small we do, in, this, in our lifetime, no matter how small the healing we do in our lifetime, this will just roll out into future generations. It will have a ripple effect into the future generations of our family. And down the line, that is pretty huge because that could completely disappear over time, over the generations. So we are, we are in this amazing position to be able to bring some new patterns, maybe healthy patterns, maybe, you know, just changing the whole line, path line for our family, which is an, an, an incredibly powerful position to be in. But it does make our journey more difficult because we're, we're to hold more emotionally, you know, and I have so much thanks and respect for my ancestors because it's, it's from the evolution of my family that I get to be in this position. I have access to abundance of food, to a really wonderful health system, to education. And it's because my family have done this work on the practical level to meet these basic needs within me, that I get to be the one to change the emotional needs, that I get to be the one to go back in time to the nitty gritty of the of the emotional aspect of my family and to heal that and change that. And that is really, 
you know, thanks to my ancestors, thanks to my grandparents and thanks to my own parents that I am in this position. And I wonder sometimes if the emotional side of of things is minimized as well, you know, that it's much more difficult because it hasn't been modeled to us the importance and the relevance of this emotional work or it hasn't been valued the incredible importance of the inner work of the emotional work of our emotional world you know there's been a lot of emphasis on our practical needs and the physical needs but the emotional ones have taken a back seat and they're just coming to the forefront right now and so we may have internalized some beliefs around our inner work, around our emotional world. You know, for instance, oh, this is really silly or I should I shouldn't be talking about this. You know, that family have it worse than me or there's people starving in, in other countries or there's countries at war. You know, this is how we kind of minimize or, you know, distract ourselves from the emotional work and but it's so important if it's coming up for you or if it's coming up for me, it's because on some level your body is ready to release this. On some level, there's a safety within you that is allowing this old stuff to come up. That's not yours. That's that's not just yours. That is your ancestors as well. And the way it's actually magnified is, is you know, you know, um, so for example, right, say down my family line at one point um my ancestors were orphaned their parents died um and and so they have this huge fear around abandonment and so the in order to um in order to distract them from the fear of abandonment what they'll do is make sure that they're wanted or hold on to people so in my lifetime say that I was left somewhere like I had like as a baby right I was left in hospital overnight without my parents because back then parents were not allowed to stay in the hospital so as a baby I had to stay for one night and this would have triggered the abandonment wound that I was left, that I was left and I wasn't wanted and all the things that come, all the beliefs that come with the abandonment wound. But what it does is also magnify that passion or that trend or that abandonment theme within my family so that it's actually much bigger for me so I could say oh yeah sure I was a baby sure I don't remember or sure why am I getting worked up over this it was only one night you know that people have it so much worse in different countries but when it comes up it is intense and it's magnified because it's not just yours it's not just mine this is going back generations about what um, my ancestors would have experienced around the trauma of their abandonment. So something really small or seemingly, or I'm, I'm going to say small or seemingly insignificant, may have a huge impact on my life because it's not just mine. Because back in the day or back in my ancestor day, this was pretty huge. And so my experience awoken the memories of what was lying within my cells and my DNA for for it to be healed, not just for me, for my ancestors, but for the future. So that 
Um, you know, because I've seen with my own children, the abandonment wound has come in as well. But we're beginning to heal it. So every time I listen to my own children crying, every time I listen to their fears around being left or the um, anything related to abandonment, the fears of being left or not wanted. Um, this and and listen to the cries around that. This is dissolving that wound within them. So they may not need to have experience of being abandonment, but they still carry some residue of my experience, of my ancestors' experience. They will still carry fear around that because the fear around the wounds of the fear of being abandoned is protection against that wound. You know, so this brings us kind of into trauma, you know. So when I experience a trauma, the fear will come up to protect me from the trauma. The fear will come up to protect me from that happening again. But it will also come up to protect me from the feelings around that pain, the pain of being abandoned. Um, And so I will carry that fear of being abandoned. My children will carry that fear of being abandoned. And this can impact their life. You know, this can, you know, this is where, you know, the fear of something. um, When I have a fear of something, I will protect myself against that fear um, by maybe doing the opposite. So if I have a fear of abandonment, you know, my daughter, let's take her for example. She's like, you know, she carries this fear of being abandoned. Are not being wanted but what she, she'll do two things if this belief comes up for her or if these feelings come up for her around this wound she does two things so first of all she will either um dry she will either do things that she knows annoy me <laughs> so that I will reject her or I will push her away and then this reinforces the belief that she's not wanted or that I won't want her or that I'm going to leave her or that this is around her abandonment wound. The second thing that she'll do is then she'll either become really clingy. So she'll be like maybe the good girl. She might be really helpful. She might be clingy. She might be cry. She might create situations so that I will stay close to her so that Uh, she knows that she's wanted so that reinforcing kind of healing that belief around not being wanted so she'll create situations around making sure that she's wanted maybe there'll be a bit of drama maybe she'll fall and she'll hurt herself you know sometimes these things come up when I know that what's alive for her really is this trauma or this experience around being abandoned or not being wanted or being left And so listening to her fears, because this is just fear. It's not really true. For my ancestors, it might have been true. But because of their experience, we've it's been infiltrated through our DNA, through my daughter's DNA. And as I heal mine, I'm able to be with her fears and be with her cries and be with all of her emotions as they come up, as we dissolve some of that, um, some of that wound. You know, there are times when I say to her, you know, of course I want you, of course I love you. But she's sometimes not able to hear that because she's in this place of fear of not being wanted or the fear of being abandoned. So it doesn't matter what I say or what I do. At this point, it's it's about listening to some of her feelings. It's about acknowledging, yes, of course you're scared. You're young. You're dependent on me. Of course, it's scary you know, you're scared, you don't want me. So some of that fear is around keeping her safe, you know, too. 
But as I listen to it, it releases some of that fear so so that she doesn't carry all of it. Now, she's going to carry some of it into her future, into her adulthood. She's going to pass some of that on to her, her um, ch- children. But once... But what, what what I'm doing is giving these tools that what she's feeling is actually okay. So the other aspect of how intergenerational trauma is passed on is through parenting, is through how our parents responded to us as children and is through how we respond to our children as well. How our grandparents responded to our parents. So we internalize this relationship. We internalize how we were responded to as children. And this creates this internal relationship within ourselves. And again, what are what's happening in our family is our grandparents are preparing our children, their children. Um, they're preparing the children for events that they would have experienced themselves. So passing on that trauma, passing on the fears, passing on the pain around what they've experienced ensures a kind of safety or protection around what they've experienced or a preparation. But what's happened is that some of what they pass on is not needed. So some of the stuff that might grandparents or my great grandparents would have experienced in their lifetime is not actually relevant to my lifetime and and what it could do is actually prevent my growth and inhibit me and cause me pain rather than protection and and listen to the body so I have such a huge amount of trust in the body that that the body knows when I'm safe to release something that my body knows when it's time for me to release something and I can trust in the big emotions that are coming up. So well, I'm after losing my train of thought now because I went and talked about the body. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not about getting rid of, of or, you know, getting rid of everything that we see that's not ours or, you know, of, of you know, seeing, st- seeing patterns within our family. Oh, I need to get rid of that or that's unhealthy or that's bad or that's toxic or whatever you know ideas that we might have about something for me it is about trusting in the timing that my body knows when I no longer need something when it's causing me pain and it's knowing the difference between protection and pain and knowing that that it's time for me to release this that this is something that I don't need and again it's the abandonment wound let's go back to my daughter so as she grows more and more, so some of what she's experiencing is around protection, is around survival because she's a child, she's completely dependent on me. But as she grows, she's able to release some of that stuff that she doesn't need. So as a toddler or as a child, she would have had a huge, her fears would have been much bigger around being abandoned. She would have stayed close to me much more. As she gets a bit bigger, she gets a bit more confident in herself. She's gaining skills and new tools around how to take care of herself or how to be feel safe in the world. And so the abandonment wound that she may carry will actually inhibit her, her enjoyment or her freedom or her pleasure or her confidence in the world. It would just create anxiety and pain for her. And so then as she begins to grow more and more into her own power, into this confidence, knowing that she can handle whatever happens, that 
so listening to her feelings around that releases that that she doesn't actually need that listen to her crying and her raging if you don't listen to your kids crying and raging and because that's really difficult that's a whole concept in itself you know please don't you know judge yourself harshly on this please don't criticize because this is such a new concept and and you know this is just information that i have found from my own learning with my children um and this is from my own journey my own healing journey and from working as a therapist that i've really seen this and understand you know for me it's this understanding has really been key to feeling comfortable listening to my children crying or comfortable listening to my raging their raging and my own raging because as i am more comfortable in my own feelings i'm able to be with them more once i understand my own journey it takes some of that fear around or the uncertainty or the unknown of what it is that i'm actually working through and then it allows me to feel more comfortable or confident listening to theirs as well so where are we so yes so how we internalize uh, and i think i've mentioned this before in my other podcast but when I am parenting from eyes of trauma or from eyes of pain, I will respond completely differently to my children and particularly right to, to their crying or to their raging or to keeping them safe. You know, so if I um, so if my daughter was really clingy or if she was, you know, acting out, you know, because sometimes she acts right. You take this as a good example. So when she acts out from a plate, when she has the feelings of the abandonment wound coming up, she acts out and she does things that she knows will drive me bananas. And she she knows that uh, it's like she wants me to push her away. Some days I respond with irritation and frustration. I'm going to admit that. (laughs) Some days I am not going to be able, I do not have the capacity to be there and lovingly and unconditionally to listen to her feelings. Some days she does things and I do not have the capacity to be present with her. I she I am triggered. I am activated. I am in my own stuff. When that happens, normally I say to her, "I see what what's happening, my lovely daughter. I see that you know you're you're letting me know that there's something going on there for you, but I am not able to be with you right now." Some days I'm able to say that. Some days I say, "Nisha, you're driving me mad." You have feelings. (laughs) I need a few minutes to myself. Some days I can say, oh, honey, are you all right? I see what's happening here. I see that, you know, maybe there's something bothering you. You know, we have a little play or we'll have a little connection. Sometimes that's really helpful. Uh, Sometimes I name it as well. You know, I wonder if you feel that you're not wanted because sometimes out in the past, you often do these things when you feel when you're afraid that I don't want you. Um, And it's again, it's only from from observation in my children. It's only from the previous that I understand this, too. Um, So so again, right, how I respond to her will she internalizes that so again i don't respond so the third one is unconditional love is like being really present it's been really calm in myself you know this is 
the optimal one, it's not always reality. So I forgive myself and I understand this and I know it's okay. I can repair whatever damage that I do. I can repair it. I can. This is what the word sorry is for. And, you know, this happens where I have to say, sorry, that wasn't anything to do with you. It was me. It was my stuff. Um, and and sometimes my kids actually know that. They know, oh, ma'am, you know, um, I, I think you've got feelings. <laughs> Have you got feelings, ma'am? Are you upset, ma'am? Uh, so, which, which is fantastic that they actually don't internalize all my stuff too. So they're able to separate that when I respond to them in a certain way, that that's actually nothing to do with them. So it's wonderful to, to, to hear that with them. They don't own my stuff sometimes. So how I respond. So the, the, so if I were to punish my daughter for the way she was acting, or minimize or tell her she's silly or tell her she's um or and that's and that's again and it's not that there's anything wrong with that right because you know sometimes we do these things but what I really want to do is just explain what happens when we internalize this so she would internalize that maybe what she's feeling is silly that maybe what she's feeling was stupid that maybe she should be a big girl and get over it and do these things when I, and she internalizes that and that becomes her inner voice. That becomes how the way that she speaks to herself around any big feelings that come up. And again, look, at this is how we were responded to as children, too. So it's not it's not there's anything wrong with that, what you're doing. It's that this is there's change. This is change. This is change coming in. This is just an amazing time for our family and for our children that we get to really look at the emotional stuff and and so it's this is just information to see oh yeah this is happening in my family I'd like to maybe I'd like to to change the way that I speak to myself or maybe I'd like to understand why I speak my speak to myself so harshly when I'm feeling something and how I can change that when my with my own children and you know what sometimes I know I'm able to give it to my own children that but I'm not able to give it to myself so maybe I'd like to have a better relationship with myself maybe I'd like to be able to speak to myself much kinder or much uh, much more lovingly or maybe I'd like to be able to give to myself what I can give to my children because sometimes that is that's actually what happens we're able to give to our children so much more than we're actually giving to ourselves and and so how wonderful would it be to be okay with how I'm feeling to give myself love too with how I'm feeling and then this has such a ripple effect again you know our children have a sense of that they really have a sense of how we are with ourselves and they are and they internalize that relationship too by what how we model it by how we model it within ourselves too they will pick that frequency that energy up so um so how we respond what we're responded to as children so whenever we had a cry whenever we were upset whenever we fell and hurt ourselves and we wanted comfort in those moments however we were responded to is what we've internalized so you know maybe we we when we cried as a baby we were given food maybe we were distracted maybe we were um you know kept busy maybe our you know even modeling you know maybe our mothers um you know 
kept themselves busy. Maybe our mothers never took care of themselves. So for us as a generation to begin to take care of ourselves is huge because we're trying to change patterns of generations for women and mothers in particular to begin to take care of ourselves, to begin to value ourselves in what we do. Um, and that hasn't been modelled to us. And that is really, really big work and can be really slow work. And the changes we do in taking care of ourselves, again, for our daughters to be able to see that and for them to be able to internalise that they actually matter. And when they're mothers, that they will matter too. That it'll be so important for them to take care of themselves. And maybe our sons will internalise this, that, that uh, internalise this, the feminine their experience of their mother that they didn't have to receive all the time or from their mothers they didn't have to do their mothers didn't have to do everything for them that their mothers were able to take care of themselves that their mothers didn't need them to take care of them or protect them or meet them needs you know so whatever healing that we do as mothers and I've started this again as women as parents as men it really has such a profound impact on our children and they will then, they will run with it. They will run with whatever they've experienced as children and they will just take it to another level. And that will be passed on to their children and their great-grandchildren and the future of our family. So I know, um, you know, as I started this, I was thinking, what am I going to say? And it's really, you know, this thing just, um, just has legs and it, these podcasts just create themselves so I have noticed that even when I go on a theme of uh, of this is called intergenerational trauma how much it has evolved to something completely different so thank you so much for listening to me and again if you want any information my website is www.leannelynch.com and there's links to my Instagram my Facebook page on that Thank you so much. I so appreciate your support. Lots of love.